In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Jesus and his disciples were traveling along the borderlands between Jewish and Gentile territory. And then a Gentile woman, a Canaanite woman, an especially despised kind of enemy of the Jewish people of that time, shouts. She shouts to Jesus for mercy. Jesus' response is stunning. He ignores her. He's silent. The very same man who in this very same gospel said, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy, ignores her cry for mercy. His disciples, they want to send her away. When Jesus does address her, he says that he's only here for the lost sheep of Israel. So desperate is this mother for mercy, she moves from shouting from afar to bravely kneeling, embodying prayer at Jesus' feet. A foreigner in Israelite land, a woman in a man's world, a daughter with a demon. She clearly represents so many who are outcast and marginalized, desperately in need shouting for mercy, pleading for help. Even after Jesus refers to her outsider status with an insult, and there's no way to pretty that one up. I know a lot of people have tried to, but you just cannot pretty that one up. It's tough. She is relentless, and she cleverly responds that even the dogs get to eat the crumbs. The world may not have validated her inherent dignity, but somehow she knew she deserved an audience. Her daughter deserved healing, and she believed at the depth of her being that Jesus was the source of that healing. Then, and only then, Jesus proclaims her faith great and heals her daughter from afar. Of the many ways of interpreting Jesus's, at least for me, hard-to-comprehend behavior, two hold most prominence. One is Jesus is testing her. He wants to see just how much faith she has. This is a completely sound interpretation, and it lends itself to many inspiring aspects of the tenacious faith of the Canaanite woman. And if this interpretation of Jesus' behavior speaks to you, I commend you to pray with that some this week and what this might be for you in your heart. There's another possibility, that, and that is that Jesus is changed by the encounter with this foreign woman. I find the latter significantly more challenging and also interesting. Challenging because I am inspired by the Jesus who seems to mm, immediately want to expand the table and be willing to dine and be in community with those who are different and on the margins. And that is not the version of Jesus we get at first today. 
And yet the possibility that Jesus was changed by the encounter with this woman is more interesting to me because it lends itself to our seeing the humanity of Jesus. It is creedal that it is, Jesus is fully human and fully divine. And could it be in this particular part of our gospel in Matthew, we are seeing some of the humanity of Jesus. It points to the possibility that in this encounter with this foreign woman, woman with a demon-driven daughter, her, by her acts of faith, Jesus's understanding of his mission expands beyond the people of Israel. The alchemy of his open heart and her determined faith transforming both of them. He is God. He is God. Of course, his divine ability to heal transcends borders and stigmas and preconceived notions of who belongs. But could it be that in that moment, his understanding of his mission became more fully known to him? Clearly, this story prefigures Jesus's mission beyond the Jewish people. Did he grow in compassion in response to this woman's tenacious faith in her plea for mercy? The particular Greek word that is used here in, is one that evokes a sense of compassion in solidarity with the suffering of another. It infers divine, divine grace and a sympathy that manifests in some kind of action. Compassion, divine grace, action. Traditional church teachings on mercy include the corporal works of feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, housing the homeless, visiting the sick, ransoming the captive, burying the dead. You get the point. Mercy is not passive. Mercy is active. The Canaanite woman wanted Jesus to have compassion on her and change her daughter's life, release her from the demons that possessed her. I've been desperate for healing for another. Have you? Yeah, I think we probably all have. I've witnessed people on the margins make desperate cries for help. Have you? I bet we all have. Who are the people in our world who, who are kept at shouting a distance? Who are the people in our world in the most need of mercy and yet seem to be ignored by the world and sometimes even by us? So I have a very large family. I have seven siblings with countless nieces and nephews and great-nieces and great-nephews and outlaws and in-laws and in-laws who were outlaws who came back and were in-laws again. <laughs> it's a big, fun, wild, messy family. I love my family. And in my own family, we have loved ones who are battling with mental health and substance use issues. 
It seems like most, if not all, families are touched by this in some way. And these are stigmatized ailments. We know that. Likely you have persons suffering in this particular way. Perhaps it's a part of your story. Personally, I have experienced clinical depression, and I give thanks for the medication and the support from my family and from professionals to help me get to the other side. I thank God for that. For parents and spouses and children, there can be a sense of desperation. Further complicating the issue uh, related to mental health and substance abuse is the possibility that the very person who most needs support drives people away with incredibly challenging or dangerous even behavior. These are complex issues and I do not want to oversimplify them. But I do want to lift up the tenacious prayers and manifold ways of seeking help that is often a part of the healing journey, whether that is healing from the issues I've mentioned or healing from any multitude of things with which we suffer. In the gospel story today, the woman's prayers are unanswered. Are, um, excuse me. In the gospel story today, the woman's prayers are answered nearly immediately. I wonder how many years of prayer went unanswered before this particular day, when her prayed-for miracle came. I imagine that this mother had many desperate nights praying similar to the psalmist, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not answer. Remember Jesus' silence when she cried out for mercy initially? The Reverend Joseph, Joseph S. Pagano writes, in the midst of the pain and suffering in our lives, we cry out to the heavens, Lord, have mercy on me, and often we are met with silence. The borderland between heaven and earth, between God and humanity, is often experienced as a silent abyss. Out in the borderlands of our faith, we are often met with the fearful silence of God, the fearful silence of God. What will we do in the face of the mysterious silence of God? Pagano asks. I pray. We find strength and courage and inspiration from the Canaanite woman's tenacity for her daughter when we are in the abyss of that silence. And I pray we will hold up one another when we are in the midst of that as well. So I have a dear, 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 dear friend who has recently re retired. We will call her Susan. Susan has worked hard all of her life. Uh, she is a woman of humble means, and she saved up enough money now at 67 years old to buy a few acres in a rural area, fulfilling a long-held dream. Susan has an adult daughter and a niece, both of whom suffer from serious mental illness. After years of intermittent homelessness for one of these young women and frequent job changes for the other, it occurred to Susan that perhaps they could live on her property. 
Okay, Franklin, frankly, when I heard about this plan, I was so protective of Susan and thought she was foolish to trust these young women with her dream. Over a period of two years and many challenges and occasional arguments and setbacks and victories, they have entered into a rhythm of community. Susan is a phenomenal gardener and she is developing her land with herbs and plants and fruit trees and vegetables. She realizes she would not have been able to do this without the physical strength of one of the young women helping her out on her land. She also re realizes she wouldn't have had as much time to do this without the logistical help of the other woman, who is young woman who is cooking and cleaning and shopping and doing many of the other important duties around the home. So if you knew Susan, you would know that she is commanding and goal-oriented. I have seen her soften in this arrangement, learning to yield to the impossible to plan around days when one of the young women is just unable to get out of bed. Or the other young woman all of a sudden will not take her medication or the medication becomes ineffective and she's gone for weeks. So I do not want to paint a picture of perfection. This is not a perfect situation. And recently, when I was visiting Susan, she hosted a dinner for a number of people to come to her property. One of the young women cooked fabulous cornbread and grilled chicken and Asian slaw. And one of the other, the other young woman showed me how it is that she cleans the pool and the tadpoles she's raising and the, and the flowers she's planted. At one point, a little, oh my goodness, the cutest little three-year-old girl you've ever seen came up to me and, and held out her hand and said, do you want to go look for butterflies with me? <laughs> well, you know what my answer was, right? So we went around and we saw lots of butterflies and we saw yellow garden spiders. And, and then precociously at one point she squealed, look at that tiny flower, isn't it adorable? I'm thinking, you're adorable. And I looked over at my friend as she joyfully sat in her chair, the sunset glowing behind her, and I realized this, this was answered prayer, not perfect by any means, but holy and born of mercy. So I, I actually shared this sermon with my friend Susan yesterday to make sure she was cool with what I was saying. And she said two things that I thought were worth repeating. One was, she goes, wow, Susan seems pretty cool. <laughs> I said, I guarantee you she is. And the other thing she said is, my parents taught me that. Mercy begets mercy. Mercy begets mercy. Sometimes we are the one pleading for mercy. Sometimes we are the one in a position to offer mercy. And when we do, our capacity for compassion expands. Always 
Mercy is an attribute of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Amen.